Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with Comic Dustin Chafin. Dustin Chafin, how the hell are you? Hey, what's happening, Brian? Dude, how you're you? ready. Yeah, Saturday night, big gig for you, huh? This is huge. Yeah, I, uh, this, this, is, uh, this is the time to get good guests. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. We're all just sitting around waiting for somebody to email us. <laughs> yeah, I'm, still, I'm stealing all your pre-pod material, even, even this being a big gig for you. Oh, you're yeah. a joke, yeah. It's, I love it. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'll take it, yeah. Um, and yeah, 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 you actually called me in the middle of, inter- you were interrupting me. I was listening to Dustin Chafin on Spotify. Stop telling people that, your album. Oh, yeah, that was my, my album. Yeah, that was fun. It's a lot of my early and later jokes and kind of crafted into a little piece of Dustin Chafin moment at the New York Comedy Club. And uh, I was, yeah, I was a busboy there. So that was kind of why I chose that place as the place to record. Yeah, I love that. You, you, yeah, you give us some inside dope on, on some some of your first jobs there, but also I loved your bit on PD, which is just as relatable today. Like if you you know you're a racial comic, you talk about race, you talk about the hard issues, and people should fire up the album because it just it makes perfect sense now in 2020. Yeah, I hope so. You know, yeah. it's it's funny. I've been uh, you know, there's a little bit of there's always drama in comedy. You know, I think today there was some drama on Twitter with some comics and things about race and stuff and. You know, it's just, it amazes me that that's still, that comics attack each other. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm really, like, you were talking a little, we were talking about my podcast a little bit before we started rolling. And, yeah. you know, um, I have a big, you know, big fan of the band of brothers in comedy, you know, brothers and sisters. And, you know, it's like, I feel like, you know, people getting mad at each other over race and material. It's, I don't know. I think it's really ridiculous. And I yeah. think anything's funny if you find a good spin on it. Yeah. And I think yeah, most of the podcast guests that you have on are pretty far along where they can find a pretty uh, unique take, a fresh take, a, an, an appropriate take on even some hot bus button issues. Yeah, your, your podcast, I'll leave you with this. Looking at all your guests, man, and they're just uh, the who's who of, of comedians in New York City. Yeah, it's good guys. I mean, a lot of those guys kind of started with me young, you know, um, just, uh, you know, they were kind of like when I ran the Boston Comedy Club, which is kind of you know, one of the uh, premier places in uh, in New York. It's it's not there anymore. It was you know Barry Katz, uh, who's a was big manager and did the uh, last comic standing and all that stuff. And he was Dave Chappelle's manager, and he uh, had a big scene in Boston and decided to kind of take it to New York City. And wow. he started his uh, management company there. And then that, you know we were literally on West Third Street. Uh, right over a uh, corner from the cellar and uh, it was called the Boston Comedy Club which was hilarious because people <laughs> Yankee fans would just would just drive by and be like fuck, fuck Boston <laughs> Boston sucks we're like no dude it's comedy it's not a sports thing yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know I had an opportunity to work with a lot of people Nate Bargatze was kind of one of my barkers and a lot of these young uh, comics coming up Joe Rosa, a lot of guys and yeah, Mike Vecchione and we, yeah, we just kind of, it was kind of like this, this kind of dojo of comedy and, you know, we, I became friendly with a lot of people and just kind of, you know, the thing about comedy, you meet a lot of people and kind of stay friendly and go on the road with people and work with people. So yeah, I have a huge, huge roster of friends and comics that I know. Yeah, and I'm looking on your website, DustinChafin.com, I see that a lot of these early on were in person. Where did you do it? Oh, in person. Uh, actually, uh, at large... Uh, is a company that I podcast with. Um, okay. It's it's over off uh, over by uh, what's that place uh, with all the I forget where it is. Forty second. 
They have a Grand Central. So, so by Grand Central, yeah, it's like a studio. It's like a, yeah, it's a company um, actually through Authentic Management, uh, Rick Dorfman okay. and JB Smooth's company. Um, nice. They, they picked it up and then I started kind of uh, recording it there at uh, at Large Studios. Oh, good. Yeah, it's good to have a place. I had QED a story and that was fun. And we had some of your former guests on. We had Irene Bremis and Luke Thayer. I mean, nice. so it's, you know, nice. I feel those are the names I can drop among the, the, the big, <laughs> the big comics on the, I'll leave you with this podcast with, with Dustin Chafin. That's great. But all, yeah, those, yeah, also, those... yeah, yeah, recently you've had on, and, and I think this is your, uh, this might be your longtime romantic partner, but during quarantine, I see some special, Who knows? yeah, your special <laughs> editions on the pay, uh, they're available on Patreon. So the previews on Spotify, but it's yeah. with, with, with Leah Bonima, who's a, who's a comic of some repute. Yeah, she's great. Uh, so yeah, Leah and I have been together a really long time, uh, over a decade. And uh, yeah, I, I met her. She was barking in front of, uh, it was when the Boston Comedy Club closed, it was an, another club opened up, Comedy Village, and she was one of the barkers there. And and I figured, you know what, I'll probably get her while she's young, because that's what you do, <laughs> just manipulate a young comedian <laughs> at that level, and then she'll think you're the big shit, and then it'll... Yes. <laughs> This is like a Joey, Joey Diaz situation. In about 10 years, people will be listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, we're still together, so I don't know if I'd get in trouble. So. And that Brian Coppin, that Brian, yeah, Brian Coppin was laughing the whole time. I can't believe it. <laughs> well, apparently whatever I did worked, so and she's okay with it. So, uh, so, yeah, so what's it like being a, being a comedy couple? I guess on the plus side, you get to do quarantine additions with your uh, comedy yeah. other. Yeah, that's definitely been a huge plus. I mean, it's tricky, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone, you know. I feel like, I mean, we're a success story, you know. And uh, I've dated some comedians, and it didn't work out. and went very wrong. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really with the thing that's worked with us is uh, actually up until this podcast that we're doing together, we really, you know, we worked a little bit on the road in the beginning. I would take her, she'd open for me, we'd work and stuff. But, but we try to kind of keep it very professional and we're not like, you know, always, like, even if we're in a comedy club together, you wouldn't even know we're dating sometimes. Like we kind of just do our own thing. And I don't know, we don't make it so much about us, but we felt like the time was, was right with the quarantine because we're basically freaking stuck on a couch together. Yeah. So it, it kind of worked out, but I, we're very professional with, you know, kind of how we treat each other's comedy and stuff. And um, it, it's fun though. But a lot of times it's like, you know, we have to, we have to kind of, take days where it's like okay you freak out about the industry on tuesday and <laughs> i will freak out about it on thursday cool okay. <laughs> like we can't do anything at the same time because it's like you know we're both in the same we have the same worries the same stresses and all that stuff so you know it's it's definitely it can it can be difficult but we've figured out a way to make it work and then also we, we both understand each other because i've dated people that weren't comics and they had no idea why I would be even be doing this. <laughs> they don't understand why you, you know, take low money in the beginning or why you, yeah. you know, put up with it or like go on the road for so long. And, you know, I've had to explain all those things. And with her, it's like, we both get it. So if somebody has to cancel date night for a gig, nobody's going to freak out because we yeah. both understand that gigs are important, you know? And then how do you guys, you know, what's the policy on kind of riffing? You know, uh, I, about I, each I, other. Well, yeah, I had May Plannered on, and she was talking about dating Mark Norman, and I thought there was some kind of policy about no shop talk or something, and I, I forget whether or not that extended to material. So, like, if you're working on some sort of anxiety-related uh, material or something, you know, it helps to talk it out with a, a non-comic. But what, what if you're talking about with a comedian pro? Like, 
you know, what if she's thinking of the same thing? Like you don't want to, to both kind of race to the, to the first joke about the quarantine or some shit like that. Yeah. But you know, the fortunate part is, you know, we both have kind of a totally different uh, style and comedy. Okay. And so I think even if we are touching on something similar that happened to both of us, I think we're going to take a pretty different take on it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's so it's yeah, it has just worked out. I mean, sometimes she'll talk about, you know, her boyfriend being whatever. And then I'll talk about her being the same way in the same topic. But I think we yeah, we figured out a way to make it work just because we're different comics. I think that's important. If you're dating somebody who's very, very similar to you, then that's going to be a problem. Yeah. You know, it's, the same, it's like two storytellers is probably not a good idea. <laughs> and so, yeah. So like with, you know, something like the quarantine and without burning material, what would be a Dustin Chafin angle and what would be a Leah Bonham angle? Just hypothetically. Um, you know, she might get revved up and just kind of be ranty about something, uh, you know, and then I might be a little more kind of set up punch and tight. And, you know, it's, it's like, she's, yeah, no, she's good at being loose. And then I'm kind of good at just kind of zeroing in on the punches. And so it's like, okay. we both kind of have that kind of style. She's more alty, I guess, maybe okay. not more kind of traditional stand up comedy club kind of thing. Yeah. Where did you find, you know, at what point in that whole journey to Boston comedy club and all these things, did you find that Dustin Chavin is going to zero in on the punch and not be too alty? <laughs> You know, well, your, your comedy voice. Yeah, Dustin Chafin's comedy voice kind of, you know, how'd you find it? Um, what was work? You know, did you try a bunch of things before that that didn't work? Oh, of course. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's far as the beginning and I, I didn't try to be a certain type of comic. I just knew that like the certain kind of comics made me laugh. You know, the, the you know, Sam Kinison was a big influence and he kind of had this rock star feel to him. And so I love that about him. But then I also loved Roddy Dangerfield and I love Stephen Wright and kind of that, that quick style. And that's kind of what I did. I, I love the energy of Sam Kennison, but then I love the tightness of jokes from Stephen Wright. And I think when I first started, I, I took a couple classes and stuff. And then, but mostly I listened to uh, Stephen Wright's uh, first CD. I think it's something pony and, and I think it's what it's called. And I just listened to it over and over. And it was, I was amazed by how there was zero fat on any of his jokes. And yeah. I just got, I really just got kind of nerded out by how well a joke writer he was. And I love the absurdity to him. And so kind of a mix between kind of those tight jokes and then somebody who doesn't give a shit like Sam Kennison. So that's kind of what I kind of morphed towards. And then I saw Carlin live a couple of times and then that opened me up to kind of being able to talk about just about anything and, you know, learning how to kind of milk, you know, a topic and not just kind of leave it there and just you know tags and making it bigger and yeah that was kind of you know between that is probably how I learned kind of figured it out and then just you know bombing over and over and you know I tried such ridiculous <laughs> stuff in the beginning I did such goofy shit I tried to be like Andy Kaufman and stuff I remember one time I did this thing I, I got up on stage and then I had a I had a glass and I had a goldfish in it and I, I went out I literally had went out this is, how, this is how horrible this joke was I literally went out to a pet store and bought a freaking goldfish and then put it in a glass of water. And then the whole joke was I was going to just stand there with this glass of water like it's my drink. Yeah. Uh, but there's a goldfish in there, but I'm never going to say anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the big closer was I was going to drink the freaking goldfish. Okay. <laughs> and did you? I, I, I got up and I was just like, it was just so awkward. I was holding this, this goldfish and like, people were like, what the fuck is in that glass? And I, 
I was just like, and, I, and they would keep, they kind of heckled me like, what the fuck is in the glass? And I wouldn't say anything because I was trying to hold true to the, the, the gag or whatever. Yeah. And then of course I chickened out. I, I wasn't going to, this sort of, I'm a vomited thinking about yeah. swallowing this goldfish. So I just kind of got off stage my tail between my legs and I'm like, <laughs> I gotta go. And it was a horrible experiment of trying to be, you know, edgy and different. But, oh, I love that. And so then, then you were like, maybe I can just be edgy with my words instead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you try stuff, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the bomb. <laughs> like it's uh it really it's you have to you have to experience like really bad that's why i like the zoom comedy right now the zoom comedy i i i'm i almost feel like i'm a better comic because of this situation because the bar is so low on a lot of these zoom shows and these these it's so you know it, you know i get so mad when i see comics doing their old stuff i'm like what are you are you crazy this is the time to do all that shit you wanted to do without a club judging you yeah uh, so yeah, I'm riding a lot and enjoying it because I'm taking so many risks and who cares if you get laughs because you, you can't even barely hear them anyway. Half the time you just hear somebody's phones, you know, somebody's TV's on or something. Yeah. Like you're, getting, you're getting heckled by the TV. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm enjoying just kind of taking risks and really just churning out material, a lot of material. You got to hold on. You, you have to bring back the goldfish bit. I might, but yeah, that might work on Zoom. I, I brought my fish up to Maine. My girl and I, we came to Maine to hang out with her parents, and we brought the fish. That was hilarious. We eight hours in a car with fish, and they lived. It was Did you really? You really brought real fucking fish? The real fish, like two wow. big fish. We brought them and had, I had like a battery-powered air pumps. It was ridiculous. D Dustin Chafin lo loves fish like the rock star Sam Kinison he is. I do. I like, I like fish. Well, my, my question is, and this is going to, this is the most co courageous, controversial thing that I could say right now. And this is going to oh, wow. end all recruitment of comedians as guests. Okay. And, and that's, I want Dustin Chafin, the Dustin Chafin to explain to me the fucking George Carlin thing. And is it just me or is he dated? Like, did he change the game so much that right now he ruined it for himself? Like for somebody going back to George Carlin the first time, Okay. I, I'm like, what? I don't, I, I, I don't get it. Like I, I fire up a couple minutes of this and I'm like, really? Like this is the game changer. Like, you know, I think on the Mount Rushmore for me, it's, you know, like, you know, Kevin Hart, Louis CK, Bill Burr, and maybe Eliza Schlesinger. But okay. like, you know, that's just cause you know, you have five quality standard specials on Netflix, you know, or, or maybe Gaffigan or, you know, might be, you know, up there, but, but George Carlin, it's like, he didn't have the Dustin Chafin set up punch, set up punch, set up punch. And then you were like, well, that's the guy who taught me, you know, oh, I could kind of yeah. talk about anything. Is, did he ruin it for himself so that new fans going back to George Carlin are being like, what the fuck is this guy heralded as the end all be all of stand up comedy? Well, it's funny because, you know, you don't have to be a fan of George Carlin as where I'm not a fan of Jim Gaffigan. So it's yeah. like we all the comedy's very subjective. Right. You know, it's it's very abstract. It's like some people think jazz is the greatest music. Some people think rock is the greatest music. I mean, everything is like it's really about a personal taste. Yeah. But if you a good way to get into George Carlin, if you don't understand why people are ranting and raving about it, is to listen to before George Carlin. It's really yeah. listen to the kind of comedy that was happening before him where it was very kind of milk toast kind of you know just proppy and red skeleton and like you know out your marks and hey uh -huh. it was like real kind of corny <laughs> shit and then he started kind of was the first you know lenny bruce obviously opened it up for everybody but then you know kind of george Carlin kind of you know took the lenny bruce torch and ran with it and started talking about a lot of stuff and 
I don't know. I think what I like about Carlin is, um, you know, he really, he'll take one topic and just really kind of exhaust it and kind of like, you know, you you can even look at uh, Jerry Seinfeld. A lot of people would say is the poor man, George Carlin. It's like the way that he kind of digests and gets into a joke and like really kind of pops it out. So, yeah, I mean, you don't have to like him. I mean, I've seen him live and there's, I'm sorry, but uh, the man had 13 one hour specials. So until you, until you show me a comedian that's done that, it's pretty, it's pretty G, you know, it's it's pretty Jordan. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, I mean, I'd have to listen to all 13, 13, yeah, 13 (laughs) HBO specials. That's a lot of hours, bro. That's That's six NBA rings right there. Yeah. yeah. And so is it, I mean, like it, is it social yeah. commentary? Like if I were to approach it from, okay, this guy's not a standup, this guy's just a so, social commentator and, oh, oh, I can't believe he's funny. Like that would be kind of a better way to introduce George Carlin to new fans because, because you listen to that and even Rodney, wasn't Rodney before, was Rodney before Carlin? I think he was. And so like, yeah. you know, joke, punch, joke, punch. And although it could come off as corny, you're talking about my wife or whatever, like, I, I think that this guy just kind of talked about more serious things and he gave you new ways to look at him. But 20, 30 years after the fact, like if he's talking about Vietnam, you know, that's kind of his thought process about Vietnam or whatever has already made its way into the story of Vietnam. And so I must yeah, think I don't, he, he ruined yeah. it for himself. Well, I don't think you're listening to the I, I don't I'm sure you haven't listened to your diseased. That's um that's like the wide album of stand-up comedy. You're diseased is phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's, that's uh, what I need. I need the one. So it's you're diseased. You're diseased. That's all I have to one. listen to. And if I don't like yeah, it, just then I just don't one. get it. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, that yeah, I'll report back. And then, you know, when, when I'm just, uh, you know, when I start stand-up comedy, which I don't do at all, you know, and I get invited on Dustin Chaffin's podcast, you know, and I get big enough for well, that, I'll let you let me. Let me take it back a little bit. I mean, the fact that you, you know, you know, you said Kevin Hart, who I think is an extremely funny person. I don't really feel he does a lot of setup and punch. It's really kind of goofy kind of stories and he's very animated and he kind of like sets on the laurels of his fame. And, you know, the comedy is kind of about that, you know, so you know, I'm surprised that that was the first comic you mentioned. When you were yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Burr is, you know, Burr is up there and Louis C.K. is up yeah. there and they might be better yeah. than Kevin Hart. But I think, you know, even Kevin Hart, like I, I listened to him before I listened to Dave Chappelle. And then I yeah. was like, why is Dave Chappelle so low energy? Like, I wasn't like, look at this fucking comic genius. I was like, this guy is so fucking low energy. And somebody was like, well, that's because he's high all the time. But, you know, and and so I think, you know, Kevin Hart had some good stories back in the day that, you know, had some had some funny moments in them. And of course, yeah, you know, maybe it's getting less funny over time. But yeah, so it's good that I finally got the entree into George Carlin because I always wanted, you know, a big time, big time comic who, who name check, who name checks George Carlin as an influence to explain how the fuck this guy's the end all end all be all of fucking comedy. Because like, you know, somebody like Louis C.K. I mean, you, you like Louis C.K., right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so I funny. Like that's, yeah, that's a loaded question answered with, I like his comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of his later work, you know, his offstage work. Yeah. But yeah, well, so I like, mean, Louis, Louis is very influenced by Carlin. You can, I can see it because I know Carlin, but uh, he would, I mean, he dedicated a special to Carlin. So, and it's like he, he would be the first to say that he's a huge influence. So but, I, mean, I think and, it's. But even like somebody like, you know, so a Louis C.K. special, because it's not social commentary, really. You know, it's not talking about, well, it's not talking about the big things that George Carlin, like the the seven words on TV. And I guess it is. But, you know, I listened to that bit and I was like, really? Is this fucking funny? 
but but well, I think, think about it when think you got it you got to set yourself back a little bit you yeah gotta that's think it about, like that's think it. if you you were a teenager in the 60s and whatever and then this guy starts talking about this in the 70s and yeah, yeah i mean you know it's really and something like that was very controversial at the time but yeah stuff is dated you know you yeah. go back it, people don't make sense i i like big band music from the 20s people are like well, how do you like that i was like i don't know i just do <laughs> like there's just certain things that people like you know but uh, but it's also and there's nothing wrong with something being dated, you know. I mean, Scarface is a movie that everybody talks yeah. about. You've seen that thing? That's yeah. that's the worst movie ever. It's, it has like a music montage, like a, yeah. it has an MTV video in the middle of it. Like it's so dated. You you fucking nailed it. Dustin Chafin should be quoted <laughs> as saying that George Carlin is the Scarface of comedy. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. maybe. I mean, you know. It's it's just something that it may at the time it, it has a little more impact. But your disease holds up. Okay, that's yeah. a, that's a really good special. That's what that holds see. up. Yeah, that's what yeah. I want to see. And so you know, when it comes to Dustin Chafin's next album, you know, post pandemic, how yeah. do you make sure that your material is timeless and it's not going to be dated? Well, it's funny, you know, I'm I might do it. Actually, might be dated because I'm thinking about maybe even doing something. I might do a Zoom album, kind of. <gasps> Uh, messing around with the idea I, a guy that i brought up nordy davis he did one and it's uh yeah it's something to think about you know it depends how long we're going to be in this situation you know? and so what was nordy davis's zoom album like like how was it a zoom album just the fact that he performed it for the first time a big old hour on zoom uh he did two shows and uh, it was like a setup thing like uh album recording and they sold out like two shows and uh yeah, it's. Uh, I listened to a little bit of it. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but um, yeah, it seemed good. You know, it's like they had a lot of people there, which a lot in Zoom is. I don't know what thirty. You know, forty. <laughs> I don't know. It's like that's the thing. It's like it doesn't matter. But uh, it sounded good. He got laughs. He kind of made fun of the format, which you know, logging in and all that stuff. So, so it you know, it it was appropriate for what was happening. And so, and I think everything dated. And at some point, everything gets a little dated. You know, it's and. But this is something that uh, we're all going through right now. And I'm doing so many Zoom shows that I'm thinking, well, I would love to do an album in front of a live audience, obviously. But, you know, if, if that's not going to happen, I want to do something because I'm writing so much material that I want to put it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, so but I, I, I love, yeah, Nori, Nori Davis, who you brought up, you know, you were like, I brought him up just like in your PD bit on Stop Telling People That. You're yeah. like, you, you found him like San, Sandra Bullock in a blind side. <laughs> exactly <laughs> nori's the same way yeah i totally found that kid <laughs> so yeah I'll, I'll leave you with this is the big thing you've been working on and it's just uh it's got the biggest the biggest comics you know who are just the active greats are, are on your your podcast and kind of how did you figure out you know what it would be about is it just you you shooting the shit with um these top comedians are you talking about comedy are you talking about personal life are you talking about anxiety and issues that people care and th that people cover in therapy kind of what is the organizing principle other than get a quality guest um yeah it's a little bit of everything that you mentioned um you know it's funny you said therapy um i was one of the first guys um who started seeing this uh, particular therapist um, uh. alan lefkowitz and he was the guy that I saw for many years. And then I kind of recommended him to Robert <laughs> Kelly. And then Robert <laughs> Kelly recommended him to Gary Goldman. And then Gary Goldman recommended him to Joe List. And like, yes. comics. And it's like, he's kind of the therapist that all the comics see. And I was kind of the first one to see him. <laughs> and so it's kind I of funny. I'll, I'll go to therapy and I'll, you know, somebody will walk out and I'm like, oh, great. I got to follow Mark Norman today. <laughs> <laughs> 
can't deal. I can't deal with his mom issues. And so you know, it's kind of a running joke because it's like that green room. Look, I mean, it looks like a green room, the waiting room at the, at, at the uh, therapist's office. Wow. So you should so do your pod, podcast. People, Can you do your podcast there? Yeah, I've, I've tried to get him. He's, <laughs> he won't do it. I've, I've said, dude, this would be huge. Yeah, yeah man. It's right in the but, waiting uh, room. Yeah. Well, apparently there's a, a um, there's an animated show that was big. One of the big first big animated shows, Dr. Katz. Okay, on yeah. Comedy Central, and yeah. it was kind of uh, designed after him. Like apparently, oh. it was like, you know, because there was some other people. But, so that uh, that cartoon wouldn't exist unless Dustin Chaffin started telling people about his. Well, therapist. you know, I'm not going to say that, <laughs> but um, I'm going to say that, uh, that Gary Goldman might not have the health he has if it wasn't. For oh, maybe I love recommending. it. So I'll it. I'll take that credit. I'll take Robert yes. Kelly's uh, you know mental health credit. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So you know I know people from you know very deep levels, and so I feel like um, I've worked with a lot of people and stuff. And so the podcast is really just you know just kind of a, an interview. I love the whole kind of one on one kind of thing. Um, yeah. I feel like it's a guy. I've done podcasts before. I did this thing called Hip Hop Comedy with Kyle Grooms, and it was kind of a black white thing. And we were kind of early on, way before race wars and all that stuff. And, <laughs> and it was fun, and we had a good time with it. But but I always felt it was always like four comics on the show. And then yeah. I feel like when you have too many comics on the show, it's it's all everybody's just trying to compete and trying to roast each other and trying to get in. I don't feel you have a soulful conversation. And so I felt like since I knew so many comics, I knew them so well on so many different levels. They would just be, you know, I just kind of see what happens. Like I have an idea of what I want to talk about, but I felt like I just, you know, sometimes we'll talk about hell gigs. Sometimes we'll talk about insecurity in the business. Sometimes we'll talk about high moments. Sometimes we'll talk about the low moments. And, okay. you know, so it's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like this, you know, just kind of yeah. like what you're doing is uh, just kind of a free, free flowing thing and uh, into the art and the mind and the soul of a stand-up comic. Yeah, that's the yeah. I mean, because Nikki Glaser had on, I think Rosebud Baker or something like that, and mm -hmm. there was a third wheel there. There was like an SNL writer, and it's like I would have appreciated an episode with each of them. <laughs> but yeah, if she, you know, exactly. Nikki Glaser is talking to Rosebud Baker about dating X, Y, and Z, like I don't want to fucking you know have them check with the SNL writer to see if he's got anything you know about Andy Haynes or whatever. Like, like yeah, I, yeah, I like the one on one because yeah, you're not competing for it, but also then you can go in depth. And I felt like I did that here because Dustin Chafin. Uh, has one of the best, best podcasts out there. I'll leave you with this and I'm going to fire it up uh, after we get off because uh, you just got guests that I'm itching to hear. And now I'm itching to hear the host too because, you know, you know, Dustin Chafin, it's like he doesn't appear until you're hitting on Leah Bonema at a club, you know, because <laughs> you're like, we keep, yeah, we keep things under wraps. She can handle herself though. She can handle herself. <laughs> she, she's, she's trained. She beat up most milk. Most milk comics can't fight anyway, but yeah, she can take, yeah. She can but, take them. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what I want. I want a woman who could take care of herself and somebody like a stand-up comic could could do that very well. And so, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't know these people are dating until, you know, until she slashed me across the face for hitting on her. And so Dustin Chafin, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Brian. It was a lot of fun, man. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. Stay funny. Stay safe. Wash your hands. <laughs>